I Quit My Job, a podcast about songwriting, with your hosts, Travis Reitzma and Derek Harrison. I quit my job. I quit my job. I quit my job. I'm free today. Hey folks, welcome to the 20th episode of I Quit My Job. This week's episode is featuring Max Marshall, a Windsor singer-songwriter who now lives out in the county, in Essex County. He's about to go on tour, which we'll have more details about at the end of the show. And uh, I'll get more to Max in a second, but usually we release this podcast on Monday and, uh, you know, if you, if you are actually listening to this when it comes out, you'll notice it's not a Monday right now. Diane Motel is in the studio. We, on, on Monday, we actually laid down a bunch of bed tracks for the album. I think we got all of them done, which is crazy. We did all of them in a few hours in uh, a studio that we built actually in the, in the restaurant that our guitar player, uh, Josh Fraser, owns. It was really cool. Uh, the Windsor Independent, uh, which is a local newspaper here in Windsor, they're they're like a sort of fringe alternative arts and culture newspaper that that's really killing it lately. They're amazing. Dean Scott and company really do an awesome job with it. Uh, they have their office actually upstairs in the same uh, building as as the studio. So um, they were up there working while we were recording, and at one point they just kind of came down and started filming us and. Uh, so that was pretty cool. So there might actually be some some in-the-studio, behind-the-scenes footage coming out uh, of our recording, which is awesome, because I, I personally, I love watching that stuff when it's when it's other people. So uh, it's really cool to have that. And uh, I'll let you know um, when that becomes available for consumption. So as I said before, this episode features Max Marshall. Uh, I've known Max for a long time. Actually, um, I remember the day that I met him, although I doubt very highly he'd remember it. I had gone back to Kenneth McLeod's house, a mutual friend of ours, another singer-songwriter. I'd gone back to his house at, for a 3 a.m. after party. Uh, his band, which Max was in, the uh, the Windsor Salt Band, they were playing at the Dominion House for their Wednesday, uh, their Wednesday residency at the time. And we just went back to Kenneth's house, as often was the case. And I had never really spent time with Max. I'd seen him around the scene. I, I had definitely seen him play bass. And I really liked what he did musically, but we'd never actually had a conversation until that night. And... Uh, uh, let's just say that libation was involved. Uh, I don't need to get the details of the story, I don't think. But, uh, you know, it, just the thing that struck me about Max is he, he was this big, gregarious personality. Like, really lovable and happy guy. At the same time, uh, fl- frantic, and he felt like it was, like, close to out of control. And that combination made me like him immediately. And Max touches on that in this podcast. He talks about the sort of process of growing up over the years and how, even though his 20s were fun. He's now in his 30s. He's got a kid and he's started to sort of change his lifestyle in that way. And so it's it's cool to hear that other side of him. As you'll hear in this in this podcast, which uh, is one of my favorites that we've done so far, he's whip smart, he's insightful, and he's self-aware. He's a kind and gentle guy. Uh, he has some serious musical chops. This episode was done just Derek and Max. I wasn't there. So um, again, like Derek was saying last week with the Ron Leary episode, this was a, it was kind of a neat opportunity to, to have a different perspective, knowing Max for as long as I have, to hear him talk to Derek in an intimate setting. And, uh, and they get into some really great stuff. Like I learned a lot about Max that I didn't know. They talk a lot about the, uh, the difficulties of finding yourself as a musician and as a person and how those two things are, are so intimately connected Max, in such a like in a very insightful way, talks a lot about uh, wearing masks when you're a musician and, and how it's both necessary, but at the same time can feel a bit dissociative. And I think that there was a lot of this podcast as well that uh, that really spoke to me when I listened to it. 
I, I struggle a lot with self-doubt as a songwriter. I'm constantly worried that what I'm writing isn't very good. And, and even, even the stuff that I think might be good, I always go back and question it later and say, okay, but why is it good? And if I can't answer that question, I will often abandon the song. And so I think the parts that uh, you'll hear uh, when Max and Derek are talking about how sometimes folk singers uh, especially can sort of sing to themselves, uh, I feel like that's something that I'm always trying to police. I don't know how well I police it, but uh, I try to, to make sure that I don't do that because it is something that, that I find can be really annoying about a, lo- a lot of songs that are, that are out there. I think Max's discussion about trying to be authentic uh, with himself and with his music is something that, uh, that every single singer-songwriter goes through. We're constantly questioning whether or not we are being authentic, whether or not we're being fake or contrived. And I think it's a, it's a, it's a big thing that goes on in all of our minds. I think all of us probably have that self-doubt. Uh, and so to hear someone as, as good as Max talk about it so openly is a, really, is a real joy. So anyway, here is our episode with Max Marshall.
So I'll eat my food and spend my money Until I'm hungry, till I'm broke And although I got nothing to show I'll build my house out of all twelve nodes I'll raise my family off of all twelve nodes Yes, I'll make my children's clothes out of all twelve notes, cause we live in a house built with all twelve notes. We live in a house built with all twelve notes, and I'll make my children's clothes. Out of all twelve notes. Yeah, we just had a whole day. Max made steak and lobster um, on in, the barbecue in, in the, the mid of the free, middle of the freezing rain, and now I'm enforcing this artificiality of bringing the mics out and ruining the mood. And then reversing it and preserving some type of authenticity, but not letting us start fresh, even if the <laughs> microphones are peaking. Yeah? Is that a good or a bad thing? I don't know. <laughs> Let's listen to it later and find out. And find out. Okay. So thanks for having me in your home. Oh, I'm thanks for having me on your podcast. <laughs> I uh, I was familiar with it and I started listening to the podcast and I thought it was such an awesome, such an awesome setup and such an awesome idea, and it's proven to be true because when uh, people steal your ideas and do their own <laughs> podcasts, it means it's a good idea. So I'm happy to be a part of it. Thank you for having me. Yeah, and I encourage people to steal the podcast and 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 tweak it and do something a little different or bring it out to Vancouver or whatever. Mm -hmm. The thing I like about it is with folk music, especially it's, um, we we're in the business of putting ourselves on the spot Mm. and, uh, we're also in the business of appropriation. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) But in, and in this case, it's funny because, um, talking about folk music feels more on the spot than actually singing and playing it. Well, you would know, I think, better than most people I've talked to because of your educational career. Well, I, I mean, um, the funny thing about the... I, yeah, well, you know, I'm conflicted about that because I, I never finished any any education. Yeah, you studied music, right, in Windsor? I, I started music and then I... And then folklore. And and uh, started music and then realized, well, this is pretty stupid. I, I you know, to... I think, I think with... Um, I think with the liberal arts, there's a lot. Of, you're misguided getting into it, and I think like a lot of times, post-secondary education survives on um, your tuition, obviously, yeah, and giving you the impression that you can do something with it. But in fact, uh, the real fact of it is, you are an entrepreneur, and regardless of what you're going to learn in school, you're actually applying it to the outside world. And I kind of screwed up twice doing that first mm-hmm. time getting into music and mind you it was really good and I'm happy I did it but also revisiting it and having this chip on my shoulder that I need to finish my degree for my family and I guess to tell you the truth it kind of all boils down to a at the very end of it I you get good lyrics out of it yeah and I sum up I sum it all up with I my family wanted me to get the degree and I gave them two false starts in the liberal arts yeah and that's where I can leave it you know yeah, I just heard that song recently. What's it, what's it called? Uh, Fugue Generation Fugue Blues. Fugue Generation Blues. I like the title as much as the song, I think. Thank you. Um, but you're referring to your 
family from birth as opposed to your new family. Is that right? Uh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Absolutely. Yeah. It's, I'm kind of in a funny position where like I have a new family and I've got a, a little boy and, um, but I, I, a lot of my material is from previous, uh, almost it feels like a previous life. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, and I'm kind of torn between like, and I, it's funny because I've got an album's worth and the next thing that I'm going to release is going to be all stuff that's pre-child, yeah. you know, uh, pre-son. And now my writing and everything's changed. So it's, I feel like I'm kind of revisiting parts of me in order to kind of get it off my chest and finally put it in the past so I don't have to almost revisit it. So you, know? you can move on? Yeah, so I can kind of, I mean, and it's, I don't know, it's a funny, it's a funny feeling because I feel like, uh, I feel like I still kind of have two feet, one foot in my previous lives and, and this other foot with the best intention in this brand new mm-hmm. situation that I'm in. I kind of feel the same way about making records in that it's a bit like to let one go unmade seems to stunt your growth. But, uh, but yeah, but I, I mean, I kind of fall into the trap where I'll write something in order to move on from it. Mm -hmm. And, um, and I can write many, many songs. And then when I write, there's one I'll write. Like, you know how you have phases of writing songs in a certain way? Mm-hmm. Then when at, when you get to the end of that phase, for me, it's always felt like that was the song I was trying to write the whole time. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. then when I finally wrote it, it completely changes the way I write from then on. Yeah, and, and, and you kind of are able to shed your skin a little bit. But... Let's go back to that first false start. This is when I barely knew you when we were both living in Windsor and you were in the music program and mm-hmm. I think I ran in, into you on the street once at like the corner of California or something. Mm. And uh, I was thinking about maybe changing over to the music program or something at the time or I was just like, I, I was just open-minded to <laughs> ideas of shifting my focus and maybe facetiously, maybe not, you warned me away from that, studying music at that particular school. Is that why you left? I don't know. I, I feel like I almost got myself like three quarters of the way through it. And kind of saw through it a little bit, and mm-hmm. I, you know, and I, and I'm thinking like, well, what can I really I, I like, what can I really use this with it? And, you know, and especially with music, you know, if you're not going to be, if you're going to be a music teacher, well, then I hope you have French or math as a teachable as well. And if you're going to be a performer, then I hope you went to a bigger school or like a, like UAT or McGill or Western or UBC or go into the American system. Because Mm. I mean, uh, the caliber, it's too bad because a place like Windsor gets so left out uh, in not preparing people for the actual real competitive world of being a musician. I'm almost speaking exclusively classical music at this point, oh, yeah. you know, and, and it's like, um, and you know, it's some, it's good though. Cause it is changing because like with Windsor, I left when I left Windsor, mind you, I was not in any way, shape or form able to even finish anything I started. I still struggle with that. I start things and then I can never finish them. And that's always been a problem of mine. Um, but, you know, with that school, like, 
I, I'm I'm kind of speaking poorly about Windsor's music, the School of Music, but they do have awesome stuff happening. Sally Bick, Dr. Sally Bick, Dr. Brent Lee, they have people there that are in on where where it should go. Media mm-hmm. arts all the way in, you know, they have people going there, but but at the same time, kind of a the dead canary for me was running into these sessional instructors that went to Yale, went to mm. Juilliard, and they're in Windsor as a sessional instructor. That's bad. Yeah. I, you know, and then I fall for the same thing with folklore. You know, the getting into the folklore program uh, was awesome. And don't get me wrong, it's super interesting. Memorial University has a great, great set of staff and a great folklore department. But, you know, especially with ethnomusicology, you find a lot of people that are musicians, but are also academics that are desperately wanting to be part of the folklore that they're studying, Mm -hmm. you know, and you find people that are almost like there because, yeah, they want to be a part of the culture that they're studying, but, uh, but they're not, they're removed. They're an academic, you know, and, and it's, mind you, like once again, you know, there was nothing preventing me from finishing any sort of education but myself i just couldn't do it uh and uh and i think like i think when that compounds and compacts itself it's difficult for people to kind of carry on with their life and they get desperate they move to new cities they pick up and split and you know and like that's that's okay because everywhere you go it's a brand new place, but you're always going to run into yourself. You're stuck yeah. with yourself. <laughs> you're stuck with yourself. You know, and, and I've been, I don't know, uh, you know, and, and it's now it's like it, the interesting thing about having this little kid is that um, I kind of do feel the molecular change. Like mm-hmm. I do feel like all of a sudden, thank goodness, it's just not about me anymore. Okay. And that's a huge relief because, I mean, being as selfish as I've been. And that's not necessarily a bad thing. I think everybody has the right to be as selfish as they want, as long as they're not a dick. Right. But like, it's interesting with this kid. Um, I don't know, maybe I've only retained certain elements of my selfishness. I feel like, um, I feel like it's uh, having my, my boy has reinvigorated my interests. Um, mm-hmm in music and, and made me realize this is actually what I'm supposed to be doing. I'm supposed to be playing. I'm supposed to be doing this no matter what job I'm doing. I should be doing this, but there's a financial obligation and there's other things Mm. that make you kind of need to do it for the, for real. For real. Yeah. Well, there's, I mean, excuse me for, (laughs) correct me if I'm wrong, but like there seems to be the, uh, you can't afford not to be certain because, people are relying on you now in a way they never were before absolutely you know and i feel like hitting the road you know and playing music and touring and doing all that stuff um is maybe i maybe i took it for granted a little bit because you know and uh, you know uh kind of coming full circle and you know having a family that's trying to be established you know, and I've said this before as as a joke, but it's kind of serious. Like now, if you hit the road, you're not allowed to fuck everybody, and you can't piss all your money away on booze. Right. So all of a sudden, it's like holy shit! Like, you know, the, your intentions change. You know? Yeah. And even if you thought you couldn't do that before, now it's now you really can't do that. <laughs> now you can't. 
you know, and, and, um, at least for me. Mm -hmm. So I don't know, it's a complete restructuring, but the thing that makes me feel like I'm supposed to be doing it is that, um, my desire and my, my music and my playing has not been compromised. It's only been Mm. re-justified by having a child. Okay. And I mean, I, and I was totally intent on not having any children and, you know, and then, you know, you have a, you have a baby and everything changes, but. um, You didn't expect to have kids? No, no, not, not at all. It was a, it was a surprise. Okay. But, oh, but can we, all right. Can we just quickly establish a timeline a little bit? Yeah, sure. All right. So you were in the folklore program in St. John's Newfoundland Mm -hmm. and you were in entering your second year. Yeah. Um, and by Christmas, you were back here. I was back here because well, and not exclusively about this this baby. I <clears throat> I initially did come back because my my dad is sick right now. Okay, and so uh, you know, and me coming home um, was exclusively established plane ticket purchased for that reason. Okay, and uh, Kismet would have it that that you would find go out back again. Well, Kismet would have it that I also find out that there's a baby on the way as well. After you've bought the plane ticket, yeah. Oh, wow. it would, no, it was a weird, it was a very strange time. Things all happening at the same time. Yeah. You know, mm. and it's, I don't know. It's interesting. It's a, it's an interesting, it was an interesting end to my twenties. Yeah. But I'm, I've, I feel like I've retained, I feel like there's aspects of my creativity and there's aspects of what I feel like I should be doing that haven't been touched or compromised or changed, right. if not just amplified, you really, I really do feel like this is what I'm supposed to be doing. Hmm. So let's go back to that tour in August. Mm-hmm. You and me. You and I. From Windsor all the way out to St. John's. St. John's was my first time. time in St. John's. I stayed there for 10 days, 10 of the most gorgeous days um, that you could ever hope for in a place as finicky about the weather as St. John's. <laughs> um, but you said... You were saying about how you didn't expect to have the child, but that whole five weeks we spent together, that was, <laughs> you kept coming back to. I came back to that. You kept coming back to, I think your words were, I want to put a baby in her. Oh, <laughs> well, you know, and. Repeatedly. I yeah. I, and, and, you know, of course, like Derek, you also know that I've said, I say a lot of really crazy stuff. Yeah, but uh, you were fixated on I that I was one. fixated on that. I don't know. I, you know, and it's so funny. It's like, I, I don't know if that's me <laughs> searching for meaning, trying to escape myself. It's, you know what, my whole, and, and that's the same tour where you said to me, you wear a mask. That's true. That's that tour where we, about halfway through, in Montreal, we had that, you know, hours long conversation about the way we present ourselves. And, uh, you know, I... <sighs> actively try to escape myself uh, mm-hmm. by just being other people by being a character by being a character by being uh you know by by staying up and being the life of the party and i i feel like i actively put on the mask of whatever audience i have mm. And I, I feel like I end up playing into my, you know, because I want, I love making people feel good and I love making people feel 
laugh and and respond to something but it kind of leaves you feeling like who who are you really and i don't know i i and now all of a sudden another maybe another form of my escapism is now i can just live vicariously through my baby uh, i don't know i i don't know who i am but um but i do feel things and i am very very blunt and honest with how i feel about stuff mm-hmm. and as many different layers of bullshit that I really do consist of. I feel like my songwriting and I feel like what I sing about and what I say in my songs has always been absolutely honest. And maybe it's a form of therapy that I can hmm. reflect on how I really feel about something. Uh, I feel that way about songwriting as well. You know, and it's a chance it's therapeutic for... Therapeutic aspect. Yeah, and you know, and at the same time, if you're an entertainer, if you're a musician, uh, you damn well should be putting a mask on. Yeah, you should You should be at least able to play a character when it's appropriate. Absolutely. <clears throat> but sometimes you end up, you know, uh, kind of questioning, well, who are you really? You know, I don't know. But then again, like, I'm not... Uh, here I am, I'm sounding so self-important, and I don't mean <laughs> to... Well, I dare say the, that 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 the character playing of a character has served you really well as a performer. Just from my experience, I've seen you play. I don't know how many, probably not quite a hundred times, but somewhere in that realm. Well. And depending on the room, you'll behave differently, but it's always really. It's just been really well responded to, and it's and it's a thing I feel that I've lacked mm. is that ability. Like I kind of just want to play in the rooms that I already know how to play in, instead mm-hmm. of learning how to adapt. But you know, it's funny because it's is it authenticity though? Like I like hmm. when I don't know, like when you switch gears and when you're expected to be. Uh, a foot stomper and a finger picker or when you're expected to really sing from your heart. It's like, I don't know. It's, it's mind you, I'm so happy to be a musician because if anyone's really got it tough, I feel like actors Hmm. must be the hardest thing. I mean, like, I feel like, stand up. Well, well, yeah, stand up comedian. But like, I feel like, um, with music, we're so associative that the masks that we put on, is still so associative that it does hold an authenticity. Mm-hmm. If you're playing at the Dakota or if you're playing uh, at a, you know, if you're playing country music, you know, it's not fake to play those licks. It's not fake to wear a... And people de- buy it. And people buy it. It's not fake to wear a denim shirt with yeah. your <laughs> denim jeans or whatever. It's it's part of what it is. Or overalls in a straw hat. <laughs> yeah, I know. At a brewery in Lake... <laughs> Guilty <laughs> as charged. <laughs> Guilty as charged. And, you know, and, uh, you know, we're musicians, we're, uh, music is so completely associative. It's intangible. It, it's the only art that you can't see and feel. And, and it makes it so associative where, you know, these poor actors, I mean, it's like, imagine, uh, I don't know, it's like putting on a, putting on a mask for a living. Here, you, here we are talking about putting on masks, mm-hmm. but I, you know, I, I find like, um, I find like it's a, uh, in in the case of, a, of being a musician, the masks that we put on is actually um, taking stripping ourselves off of something too. You know, I feel mm-hmm. like uh, if we're if we're going into a place and we're playing, we are playing from the heart, and we are playing with passion, and we are playing uh, honestly and authentically. 
but you know it's you know we still dress up we still dress yeah. up like yeah. country guys if we're playing a country show and all that stuff well let's go back to when i first got to know you mm. wednesday nights at dominion's with the windsor salt band can't without on the windsor salt band great time playing the stand-up bass yep. Yep. um inviting me to <laughs> poorly play the tin whistle on one song every week yeah um <laughs> and uh and then I don't know, just seeing you every week there, like it wasn't really a friendship, but we, we were just kind of getting comfortable with each other at that mm-hmm. point. And, um, and then Katie's living room, I didn't even know you, I didn't even know you played the guitar, but one, at one point, this was, I think when I was in second year university, you just, you played a song and you had this really sweet voice and this finger style way of playing that, um, my vision of you as the gregarious loud bass player you know, taking up all this space mm-hmm. at the Dominion House every Wednesday was v- so radically different from then what I saw. And I think it's probably a lot of my bias as a person who's really into like sweet folk music and, and, and songwriting and lyrical driven stuff that uh, my first reaction was like, oh, okay, this now I kind of feel like I see the real Max. Mm-hmm. But that's, I think that's my bias. Which one of those is more real than the other? Uh. It's just different. Who can say? Different masks, different aspect, different different nights, different places. But at the time, you weren't focused. I mean, maybe you were focused, but you weren't doing gigs. You weren't playing your own songs. No, I feel like I've always been in this state of, I've always been in C2 with, with my stuff, and I still am. Uh, you know, um, I don't know. It's hard. It's hard for me to, like, as an example, like, you look at some of these guys who... Um, are really, really put together, have all their media put together. And, uh, you know, and I'm not about to say, but their music's shit. No, but it's like, I, my struggle is like, even still, like I'm still putting, trying to put an album together. Yeah. And you know what? I had good luck and I had a good EP last year and I felt really good about it. I felt accomplished, but I totally screwed up. I didn't send it to any community radio. <laughs> and now it's got that, uh, the vein, uh, it's got that 2015 stamped on it. Yeah, now it's and old. Now, now it's old, right? It, you know, it's like, there's so many elements to it the weird scenario is it's like uh same with having a good idea you have a really good idea and then um or you have a really good song you write something that's great and you're like this is this is it i've done it it's over with Mm -hmm. i've accomplished something i guess what i'm saying is it's like with good intention comes with this phantom sense of accomplishment Mm. and it's like you have the material for an album and that can fester away in your head and you can't do it, but you've written it. You feel that weird bullshit sense of accomplishment. And then you're, that's it. Even and though it, you've only done the first step. And the, uh, yeah, exactly. But you, it's like realizing something makes you actually feel like you've already done it. Mm. And there's so many good songwriters out there that get stuck on that step. And it's so hard to take one hat off and put on another one. Uh, and or mask or whatever and go forward in promoting yourself properly that's why there was never a windsor salt band album they, you yeah know after I mean? how many years uh, you know there, like the like there was a moment in time where it could have worked and it's so funny it's like same with um we we take everything so so for granted it's like i'm looking at my sick dad and he's got als he's wheelchair bound you know uh he's he can't move and i'm I, I look at that and it's like, oh man, that's so heartbreaking. But at the same time, it's like, 
we take everything for granted. We take the use of our hands for granted. Mm-hmm. You, you play something, you you make a, you do a killer solo. You're out. You're you're able to stay up really late. Still, you're doing all this stuff. We all have this idea that we're going to be able to preserve this uh, vitality, <laughs> and we take that for granted by pissing our time away. I, I, I mind you, I'm I'm kind of talking about myself. I mean, I'm 31, and you know, I look back at the last 10 years of my life. And, you know, I wasn't able to finish school. Mm-hmm. Uh, I couldn't do it. I just couldn't do it. I wasn't able to put an album out yet. And I feel like it, and, and for a lot of people, the tension just builds and builds and builds and they get so convoluted that they're stuck in their own, on their own, you know, shelf. Mm-hmm. And that's it. They're trying to ke- play catch up for years of convoluting themselves. And that's really hard to strip off. And I, I feel like the next thing that I release is almost going to be uh, me trying to hit the reset button with with my writing. And, and you know, and it's funny because with having his kid, um, and that's, you know, I keep saying that as like having a baby is not some deus ex machina type situation where all of a sudden everything's good. But it has changed my my writing, and you know, and 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 it's so funny because you end up with all this material that isn't actually you anymore. Right. It's but you can't throw it out because it's like you, you. These are my polished gems. It's like these. This is the stuff that I've written. And what do you got to do? Well, you got to put that mask back on, and you got to release it, and you got to get mm-hmm. it off your chest. And, and you know, and, inst- and for me, it's like, I want this to work out for, I want to be able to write my songs uh, still. And I want to be a musician, but you got to almost put on the old hat and mm-hmm. relive parts of you that don't exist anymore because it's worse to waste that material. And you need to believe that material when you're performing it. You do, and, and that's hard. And, and that's hard, and you know, and it's almost like I feel like when this album of previous stuff, and this some of this stuff, as you know, like you've heard for years and years, like oh, yeah. you know, some of this stuff that I've written that's going to be on the next one is five years old. Yeah. Um, but uh, you know, but the funny thing about it is, it's so personal. It's so hyper personal that when I hit the road or next when I promote this album, I'm going to do my live show and it's all going to be stuff for, for be the next back. album. I, I'm not even going to be playing <laughs> even much playing of this it stuff. Enough, which you know, I think is fine. Which is fine. You, you promote your disc and you try to sell it and that's, and that's it and you move on. But I feel like um, it's a healthy thing for songwriters to follow through with who they are and the time that they have. If you feel a certain way and if you have material that applies to a certain part of your life you better fucking record it mm-hmm. and get it off your chest because if you try to revisit it something's gonna be it's off not, about it i know yeah. you feel the same way oh yeah you know it, it we're so lucky to be able to tap into this therapy mm-hmm. of self-realization we get to strip off all of the bullshit that we have and write from the heart that's such a cool opportunity that's so therapeutic mm-hmm. but um if we don't follow through and record it and preserve it as this is a, this tangible copy of my previous self is now in disc form. (laughs) My sense of accomplishment has been realized and here it is. It's out. It's been put out to community radio. It's, you know, (laughs) I'm able to promote it. That's, that's the way to do it or else you're just going to get convoluted and stuck in your own mud, stuck in your own mud, you know? All right. So, but I don't think, these 
things about songwriting that we get, you and I, and people who've been doing it for years like we have. Um, the stuff we get out of it, I don't think we knew that when we started doing it. No. So what, what was it that drove you to... Why did you start writing songs? Well... And when? Was this like... Had you been... Div- because it was a long time before you started playing shows yeah, I, for, of your own material. Well, for me personally, like I, um, I started playing guitar when I was a young kid. Mm. Um, and, you know, I um, uh, was writing in late grade school, mm-hmm. you know, uh, early high school. Um, stuff that felt powerful to me in my own mind and felt good. I felt really good writing songs. Uh, it felt it felt really nice, but um, I don't know. I, I and then all of a sudden, like early high school, I was in a group, two guitar players and a drummer, and I played rock paper scissors, and I lost, and I switched to bass. Uh, yeah, so you that's know that's how you became a bassist, and that's how I became a bass player. You know, and then uh, you know, and that was actually pardon me, late high school, and then I ended up pursuing it for university and getting into classical and jazz mm-hmm. upright bass and bluegrass and country, and. You know, and now I play electric bass in a soul band and all that stuff. Um, uh, and you know what? That, that was really good for me because it allowed my guitar playing and allowed my songwriting to ultimately go untouched mm-hmm. from about 1997 when I was in grade seven all the way up to, I don't know, maybe only a few years ago. And and I had this incubation period where I didn't really need my songs to go further than my bedroom okay and um and i think that was really good for me because i've been able to develop my own guitar style and i've been able to develop my own writing uh kind of in a vacuum in a vacuum removed from from the world and 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 i still love playing bass and i still love doing all that stuff because it allows me to hit the reset button and almost preserve my songs. Mm-hmm. Uh, and now of course I'm in the position where I need to follow through and record and put it out and yeah. pursue it. But, and is that what brought you to Toronto in the first place? Uh, when you decided to actually I mean, start doing that? I don't know. That was my, uh, was part how many, how of, many years was, ago? It was part of my escapism. That was almost maybe five or six years ago. Like I totally, totally, burned someone in a relationship and I, and I needed to, uh, get out Mm. of Windsor. Mind you, you know, in my defense, I guess I, I was in Windsor for 25 years and a quarter century in Windsor, Ontario is a long time. Uh, you know, mind you, I love my hometown and it's great. And, you know, I've kind of come full circle, but I needed to go and everyone should go. Everyone in their twenties should GTFO for at least a couple of years. For at least a couple of years. So, yeah, I, I thinly veil of uh, a, a thin veil of my um, uh, of the fluff that I would say at the time was, mm-hmm. yeah, I'm moving to Toronto to be a musician. Of course, I get there and I, you know, picked up dirty cups for a year in a bar and mm-hmm. only played a couple shows, played here and there, and you know, and then worked in a bookstore and mm-hmm. then had another relationship Lived in a fall house through the door. Was falling felt, off its hinges, and. you know, and, and yeah, with my brother, and you know, uh, you just end up kind of, I don't know, I kind of ping pong through, um, moving someplace with some grandiose idea that everything's going to be different, mm-hmm. and then getting stuck in the same rut, and then picking up and moving to a different town because you're stuck with you, because I'm stuck with right. me, and then I end up in St. John's, 
studying now, folklore. Studying folklore. What well, inspired that decision? Um, well, you know, uh, mind you, um, I am still ha- really interested in folk life, mm-hmm. uh, folk, li- folk societies and, and folklore and ethnomusicology and all that stuff. It really interests me. But I moonlight stuff. I like to flip through books. I, I can't, you know, and the re- essays that I wrote were good, but I can't. I can't do school. I, I was never able to do it. You're not an academic at heart? No. And, I wouldn't, and not only that, it's like at the end of my time in Toronto, you know, once again, coinciding with another relationship that didn't work, I'm like, well, fuck, where am I going to go now? And I had some friends and family in Newfoundland and, uh, and I had this program. And then all of a sudden, once again, I had my holy grail of, <laughs> oh, great, another place to go, you know? Yeah. Mind you, something happened to me in St. John's, though. I, I think musically, you know, mind you, um, I only really have experience in the right-hand side of the country. I've never been out west. Uh, the music scene in St. John's is, in my experience, the best music scene I've ever been to mm-hmm. and experienced. You know, I agree with that. And, and the caliber of musicianship out there is, a st- is awesome. People listen to your words when you play. If you go to a show, they'll come out, pay cover, buy a beer. They got another show to go to, they'll go. Uh, there's a cult. There's such a cultivation of of music out there that, and it, and I love that so much. And everyone, um, everyone is good with their grants. Everyone applies for them. Everyone knows what to do with with how to be mm. an artist it's almost like art how to be an artist 101 is saint john's, <laughs> saint john's. And, you know and um and there's a community that supports one another doesn't for me i mean like toronto like toronto's bluegrass scene is awesome the electronica scene's awesome um you know there's a lot of different stuff that's great but for the singer songwriter type in in toronto doesn't exist you know it's like um and and you know in windsor it's like windsor's great but there's just uh, Windsor's got a good music scene, but I don't know. I I keep scratching my head with Windsor, uh, you know. And don't get me wrong; like, there's supportive people, and uh, and there's a good set of media in in Windsor. I think, like, I think what Dean does with Windsor Independence, awesome. There is a fringe media in Windsor that's very good, but I feel like Windsor's more passionate, more about maybe craft beer <laughs> than it is folk music. Yeah, right. Like, you know, there's, there's something, there's more of a relevance. Uh, I guess like the relevance of something comes out of people's interest. Mm -hmm. There's just simply no interest really in singer songwriters. And, and, you know, even with house shows, like before I moved out East, like the punk scene has always had a a house show. Network. Yeah. Yeah. Because no one wanted them in their bar. (laughs) And so therefore, you know, they would have, they would find this place on Droulard Road and Mm -hmm. set up. And maybe bring and a generator. We, and we've all been to it. Yeah. And, and, you know, and it's like, um, uh, but you go, and even in Toronto, like, I don't know, but you all of a sudden you hit like Montreal, Halifax, St. John's, all of these places out East, like uh, you can do a whole tour on house shows. Mm-hmm. Like Richard Garvey or Kate and Rich or those guys can book a whole tour on house shows. And I'm like, why isn't that happening in, in Ontario? I mean, it is now a little bit. And there's like little Starting venues that to, are popping yeah. up, but... Like you, you're living in Toronto right now. Have you ever? How many house shows do you go to in Toronto? I've been to a few. Yeah. Um, but it's it's like a weird thing still, you know. 
it's not just oh yeah house show okay let's go to that it's mm-hmm. like oh that's a that's a cool idea or whatever whereas oh. it's not as even in ottawa it's pretty established like mm-hmm. but ottawa again is getting towards that eastern side now but when we talk about the southwest it's still like completely um novel it's mm-hmm. like, I guess it's a conundrum for me because, like, um, and I'm talking exclusively folk music. It's like uh, if you're doing a show and you ask friends to come out and they come out and they're the only people at the show, they're doing you a favor. <laughs> but if, they've co- if they come out and there's a bunch of people there and everyone's having a good time, then they have a great time. Mm-hmm. Like I play in an eight-piece soul band. And we just had an awesome night and I invited friends out and they came out and it was a great time. Everyone was there dancing their ass off. It's great. But folk music is this misunderstood thing where unless you're, I don't know, it's like if people think it's like the only place, like the only venues for folk music is like, like festivals or play, like where's the place with the budget? Like if I look at yeah. like Ontario all the way to St. John's, I can think of maybe Guelph uh, you know, Cornerstone has a bit of a budget. Like, there's places in Montreal that will give you some money. St. John's will pay you. Mm-hmm. Halifax, you're playing a house show. Halifax's house shows, yeah. yeah. Yeah, but I don't know. It's like, um, I feel like it's a funny time for folk music because people just don't really know what to do with it and, and, or how to listen to it or even how to write. You know, mm-hmm. it's like there's so many people I listen to. And, I, you know, of course, like, I'll never say a poor thing about anyone writing a song and getting up there and singing it. That's awesome. We need more of that. But it's just, people aren't writing about anything. I'm not hearing any stories being told, you know? And, and then I went out East and there's such the quality of music, the quality of songwriting in St. John's to me is better than anywhere else I've been, Hmm. you know, but that's my own completely biased opinion. And, and, you know, I, I, and like, look at someone like Ron Leary. It's like, Ron is one of the, probably one of the best songwriters possibly in Canada. Mm-hmm. You know, he's, he's been doing it for however long, 25, 30 years. Yeah. Um, same with Al Tuck. Yeah. Uh, you know, these people, like, how do you make a livelihood off of it? Yeah. These are two examples of people who really aren't making any money. Well, a couple <laughs> nights ago, Ron said, well, you go to Europe, there's only 30 million yeah. people in Canada. You know, I don't know. And it's, that, you know, it's what Darren Edens has done. Yeah. That's, uh, that's where the Burning Hell makes all their money. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, uh, and it's like, well, what do you do? It's like you're so passionate about something, but um, I don't know. I feel like with a lot of singer-songwriters, uh, the, you, you get up on stage and you're kind of in this, like, uh, you're in a glass case that's transparent for the rest of us where, where you, someone gets up on stage and we just literally watch you sell, watch your, watch someone watch, look at themselves, sing to themselves. You know what I mean? It's so, um, uh, like people, it's like, are we like, are we actually supposed to give a shit about what anyone <laughs> has to say? You know, and it, mind you as a songwriter, like I, I put my stuff out there and I hope people mm-hmm. listen to it and I want people to be moved by it, but who gives a shit? They shouldn't. I, you know, no one should give a shit about anything and they don't. And then as a songwriter, it's like you have this almost narcissistic ideal that you, uh, uh, that you're going to move somebody. Oh man, it's poisonous stuff. Hmm. It's poisonous stuff to put your whole livelihood behind it. But at the same time, I have to, we all have to. Well, you can't, 
do anything unless you put your livelihood behind it, right? Like, it's such a trap. It takes that level of commitment. It does, and 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 sacrifice, and then all of a sudden you drag your girlfriends and your children into it too. <laughs> you know, it's like, uh, oh man, it's 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 scary stuff, and you know, and because we we all like songwriters um, want their story to be told, and they want to be heard, and they want to be recognized, and they want their music to be given some meaning because it means so much to us. When you write something, it means the world to, to yourself. Uh, and, and you move yourself. You feel moved mm-hmm. and you want to move other people. But I don't know if that's going to ever happen. Is it selfish to want that? I don't know. Maybe. Is it I, diluted? You know, Is it that like, why can't moving yourself and using it as some form of self-therapy be enough? It should be. But then all of a sudden you get these illusions of grandeur that you can quit your job, <laughs> right? I quit my yeah. job. And it's a brilliant title for a podcast because it really does reflect the true. Cause that's one of the steps it takes, right? That's what it takes, you know? And I'm like, you know, and I'm in a situation where I'm, I have a partner that will support me in doing what I think I need to do for myself. Mm. And I'm so lucky to have that. And I really don't want to screw it up. Mm-hmm. And I, I want to be a good dad. And then it's like you think, well, maybe it's just better to do the retail position. Maybe it's just better like to put yourself aside and, and succumb to what could be the inevitable but no we have to like but press part on. of you part of you wants to press on it's a really funny thing to, place to be you know and and i uh i wish there was more communication between um i wish there was more communication between like established musicians and people like uh, you know i don't know uh, like maybe darren edens is a good example or allison brown is a great example mm-hmm. like she can do a 90 day tour she knows all the spots she knows how to apply for a grant like people um these people need to tell other people what to do. Yeah. <laughs> you know, but I don't know. It's just, but there's too many people to tell. The thing that drives me crazy is when people, um, kind of get up on stage and be like, uh, you know, this is how I felt. And this is the, the, this is how I am expressing my emotions, but I want to hear the emotions. I don't want to like, listen to them. I don't want to hear the words. I want to, I want to feel told. it. I want the performance. I want to hear that you play every night. Mm rather than just promote yourself online. Mm-hmm. And there's and and you know what we're losing is we're losing that we're losing hands on instruments. We're losing uh you know the average songwriter doesn't sing and play guitar every night. They're applying for the grants which they should, yeah. but we're we're losing the true connectiveness of like uh, with an instrument or with your voice or stuff like that. There's less music and more promotion of music. Yeah. You know, <sighs> but I think the marketplace is a bit at fault as well. It's, yeah, and it it's harder, that. and there's exceptions like St. John's, but it's hard. It's hard to play every night. Whereas once, you know, not that long ago, that was 
what everybody was doing. You can get away with it. Yeah. yeah. But, you know, and, and Ron Leary's a good example. It's like he moves down to Windsor and, you know, plays every night. And then after six months, like he said it himself, oh, well, I got to move back to Toronto because, because now, now I've played this out. I've played this out a bit. And then he, he'll come back and then everyone's like, this is awesome again. You know, you need to give them that break, but you need to go somewhere else so that you don't have to stop playing. Yeah, it's hard to get it's hard to get a network of people supporting you. Mm. It really is. And you got to be a good person. You got to give to people. You got to be personable. You know, I feel like that's maybe another difficult thing for some people. They're yeah. they're like uh they hate the crowd, but it's the only thing that's actually means anything. They they get up on stage and they're so sick of people catcalling them or mm. I don't know. And they pack up and walk out of the room when they're done. And they feel they feel kind of down about it. Yeah. I, it's, I don't know. We live in a like the type of music we like to play. It's almost not supposed to succeed. Yeah. It, it, it's supposed to just be stumbled across. And and you it's know supposed to be just tapes, <laughs> it's, old old tapes that. <laughs> You hand out to your friends and, and is that authenticity it's like uh you know it, in retrospect this happened and it never worked out but they still played from the heart is that the authenticity a songwriter needs to fail you know uh, to to alienate everybody <laughs> maybe not alienate i'm getting so <laughs> no. negative but it is is a but songwriter supposed to not succeed i think that maybe part of the problem is that succeeding alienates people it certainly does, yeah. because there's so many other people that why. said, "That's fuck this guy, exactly. why not me? You know, and then they get to a point where they're like, you know, I don't know. I think it's a life, I think the thing about it though is, I think the reason why people play folk music, and the reason they write songs is, well, because they have to, but also because it's a lifestyle. I mean, it, it turns into something that you do, because it's just what you do. It's the community that you're part of. It's all of those good things. And you know what? The beautiful thing about Canada is it's so tiny that you end up kind of getting to know everybody. Mm -hmm. And you kind of... Pretty quickly, too. And pretty quickly. And, you know, and it's like there's a lot of great people out there and there's a lot of people that are out there that have a couch and a bottle of red wine uh, to sit down and and in the middle of the night after the show and commiserate and hang out and play songs. There's so many awesome... And you and I have been those people for each other. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, and, and it's like, I, um, I'm i so blessed and I'm so lucky to be able to be a part of this community because, I mean, when it comes down to it, uh, everybody really does help each other. Mm. And, and that's a really beautiful thing. And uh, I think that's important too. We're part of a community. And I think that anyone that has the idea that they're going to... Um, you know, I, I think there's a lot of illusions of grandeur and I think there, I think that's healthy. And I think also having a big ego is healthy too. I think that's like, these are things that, uh, these are, this is the armor that you almost need to put on. This is the mask mm-hmm. that you need to put on to be able to, um, keep on believing in yourself. You almost have to bamboozle your girlfriends and your children into thinking, this is what I'm supposed to be doing, but who are you really doing it for? I'm doing it for me. I don't know how to not be selfish about that. I, I've pigeonholed my life into believing that this is what I'm supposed to do. I've I've tricked myself into believing this. And and what? I don't know. That's where I am. I, I and maybe maybe it's another form of my um immature escapism coming back about me being like, I need to do this. You know, and and like 
I don't know. We all we all get ourselves to the point where we really do believe in ourselves, and that could be that's poisonous just as it is liberating. It, you know, we we convince those people that love us that this is what we're supposed to be doing. Well, let's hear it. Is that part of this podcast? I have to play a song? Yeah. <laughs> I didn't tell you that part? No. <laughs> Top of the morning Black as coffee We've got a long, long way to go Sleepy bones Don't bring Got plenty of ribbon of road. I wanna speak and I wanna listen. I wanna paint you such a blue gray abyss to fade away. Dip your hand. sun up to the sky or through my blue cuckoo's tony eyes they shine like open palms love you let the light abide love you let the light abide
That was our episode with Max Marshall. I really enjoyed that conversation. As I alluded to in the intro, Max is about to embark on a late winter tour from Windsor to St. John's, Newfoundland, starting this weekend on Friday, February 26th at Fog Lounge, where he will hit the stage with a number of Windsor singer-songwriters. The following night, he'll be in Windsor again at the Beer Exchange with Kenneth McLeod. Later in the tour, he hits Guelph, Waterloo, Toronto, Montreal, Sherbrooke, St. John's, and then back to Kingsville out in Essex County. For more information on that, you can find him on Facebook at facebook.com slash yarnspunfolk. That's all for now. Be sure to follow us on all of your social media platforms, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, all with the handle IQMJPod. Listen to us on iTunes where you can rate and review us if you so choose on SoundCloud at soundcloud.com slash IQuitMyJob with dashes between all those words or on our website IQMJPod.com where you can find archives featuring all 20 episodes to date. Our next episode will feature Brent Thomas Diabo. I'm in the beauty of your bitten fruit